Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hello, my name is Joshua Royce. I'm a thoracic medical oncologist and assistant professor of medicine at Georgetown Lombardi Cancer Center and Georgetown University School of Medicine. And in this session, we're going to discuss, is there a role for immunotherapy-based treatment in KRAS mutated non-small cell lung cancer? And what about those with commutations in SDK11 or KEEP1? So first with a case example, this is a 60-year-old gentleman with a history of BPH and prior tobacco use who presents to your clinic. He was originally diagnosed with stage 2B poorly differentiated non-small cell lung cancer and underwent a right lower lobe lobectomy followed by adjuvant cisplatin pemetrexate chemotherapy in July of 2021. Fast forward to February of 2022, where imaging shows recurrent enlarged mediastinal lymph nodes and several enlarged liver lesions. Liver biopsy confirms metastatic poorly differentiated non-small cell lung cancer, and MRI brain is negative for intracranial disease, and NGS reveals mutations in KRAS, KEEP1, and TP53. PDL1 is negative, and tumor mutational burden is seven mutations per megabase. This patient is completely asymptomatic and continues to actively work. What is your recommended approach? So first, to touch base on KRAS-mutated non-small cell lung cancer, and it's an important point. KRAS mutations are the most frequently encountered mutations in non-small cell lung cancer, probably seen on the order of 30, 35% of our patients. And up until recently, this was not a druggable mutation. Recently, though, we we're fortunate that for the submutation class of KRAS G12C, both sotorasib and adagrasib are approved in the subsequent line. But that's a key point. They're approved in the subsequent line. For frontline treatment strategies for KRAS mutated non-small cell lung cancer, the treatment approach should really mirror those without driver mutations, looking at immunotherapy, chemoimmunotherapy, dual immunotherapy, and then dual IO plus chemotherapy strategies. There was actually a very elegant uh, meta-analysis presented by the FDA at ASCO in 2022 that showed that those with KRAS mutations do appear to perform uh, equally as well as KRAS wild type when looking across the board at IO plus chemo, uh, IO alone, or chemotherapy uh, alone strategies, um, which is quite reassuring. The question, though, is do additional mutations impact the benefit of immunotherapy in driver mutation negative non-small cell lung cancer, and in particular alterations in SDK11 and KEEP1? Uh, this is work that was largely driven by uh, Nando Skulidis out of MD Anderson, uh, who showed that these particular alterations do appear to impact immunotherapy efficacy and may drive an immunoresistant, uh, immunologically cold tumor type. So what do we see clinically? Uh, well, here is data from both the Poseidon trial and the Checkmate 9LA study, uh, which looked at the incorporation of CTLA-4 containing quadruplet regimens uh, for advanced non-small cell lung cancer in the frontline setting. And while these are small numbers, you could see that in Poseidon, the addition of CTLA-4 inhibitor did appear to have a trend toward enhanced benefit over the PD-1 plus chemotherapy alone. And you could see uh, this was also mirrored in Checkmate 9LA. Again, small numbers, but the addition of CTLA-4 did appear to have uh, a trend toward benefit in the SDK mutant uh, population. 
keep one similar story, again, very small numbers here, we could see the addition of CTLA-4 inhibitor uh, appeared to have a trend toward uh, numeric uh, clinical uh, benefit. Uh, though, again, small numbers. And on the whole, you could see that really the control arm in this population did not do well, suggesting that this mutation may also really uh, just indicate a, a highly aggressive, poor prognostic uh, tumor type. This is more data on uh, frontline nivolumab plus ipilimumab in advanced non-small cell lung cancer when looking at KRAS, SDK11, and KEEP1 mutation status, and importantly, uh, when looking at these subgroups, uh, the combination of nivolumab with ipilimumab did appear to elicit benefit uh, irrespective of KRAS, SDK11, uh, or KEEP1 uh, mutation subtype. Additional questions, though, does the presence of a KRAS mutation uh, matter? Uh, this is uh, work done by the Dana-Farber group, uh, which looked at the presence or absence of KRAS mutation um, in driving clinical benefit uh, in SDK11 uh, and KEEP1 uh, mutational status. And what was interesting is when looking at an immunotherapy approach, uh, it appeared that the presence of a KRAS mutation really seemed to drive uh, the poor benefit um, of an IO-based approach uh, with uh, the SDK11 and KEEP1 mutations compared to uh, KRAS wild type. But also there's the question of do these mutations even matter uh, whatsoever? Uh, this is subgroup data from the Keynote 042 study, so pembrolizumab monotherapy, um, which, uh, didn't, which showed a benefit of pembrolizumab monotherapy in patients with both SDK11 and KEEP1 mutations. So again, very small subgroup data. I really caution against any widespread conclusions based off of this data. Uh, but I think uh, the important points here are that these mutations could have implications uh, for our treatment decision strategies for our patients. So in summary, patients with non-small cell lung cancer who have mutations in KRAS and no other known drivers should be treated with a frontline therapy strategy that incorporates immunotherapy with or without chemotherapy. There is emerging evidence to suggest that certain molecular alterations, such as SDK11 and KEEP1, may impact the efficacy of an anti-PD-1, PD-L1-based treatment strategy in advanced non-small cell lung cancer. However, importantly, prospective randomized data are needed to determine the best treatment strategy for those who harbor a mutation in SDK11 or KEEP1, uh, and these trials are under development. So with that, I want to revisit our case of a 60-year-old gentleman uh, with a poorly differentiated non-small cell lung cancer who unfortunately had uh, recurrence within seven months uh, following resection and adjuvant chemotherapy uh, with an NGS profile of concurrent alterations in KRAS, KEEP1, and TP53, pdl one negative with a tumor mutational burden of seven mutations per megabase. And what is our recommended a treatment approach here? So for this patient, I did start this uh, gentleman on the Checkmate 9 LA regimen of nivolumab with ipilimumab, and I added in uh, the two cycles of carboplatin with paclitaxel, um, given the patient had already seen a pemetrexid-based regimen and he had poorly differentiated histology. Uh, however, the patient did experience progression after four months on therapy and has since received investigational treatment in clinical trials. So with that, I'd like to transition to our peer discussion and introduce my colleague and friend, Dr. Chavar Agarwal. Thank you so much, Dr. Royce. I'm Charu Agarwal. I'm the Leslie Heisler Associate Professor for Lung Cancer Excellence at the University of Pennsylvania's Abramson Cancer Center. Uh, thrilled to be joining Josh today to discuss these issues and management of patients with lung cancer. 
Thank you, Dr. Agarwal. Now, obviously, this is a really, I think, hot topic um, in the field of non-small cell lung cancer now. KRAS mutations, and particularly uh, co-mutations in SDK11 and KEEP1, and I'm going to start with the former. Uh, how do you let KRAS mutations guide your treatment practice, if at all, um, for patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer? I think it's a very important point to just educate as well as reiterate here that KRAS mutations, especially G12C, uh, are actionable, but they're not immediately actionable. They're actionable currently in the second line setting, and we should remember that, that there is no body of literature supporting first line use uh, in patients with a KRAS G12C mutation. However, it's important for us to get the molecular sequencing so that we can recognize these as well as plan for therapy. In my practice, if a patient has a KRAS G12C mutation, I next look at PDL1 expression. I do tend to use or favor immunotherapy alone for my high PDL1 expressors. There is some retrospective data demonstrating that ICI alone for these patients with high PDL1 and KRAS mutant uh, lung cancers may actually do quite well. Uh, however, in the absence of uh, PDL1 high expression, I will sort of use hemoimmunotherapy. Um, However, I think, Josh, you are getting to this. How do we decide for those patients that may have co-mutations with KRAS? And I think that's where uh, it becomes a little bit more challenging because all we have so far are subset analyses of large trials. Yes, uh, that's an incredible point, uh, Dr. Agarwal. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I would say that with a KRAS mutation alone, I don't really let that affect my decision-making practice uh, um, for advanced non-small cell lung cancer in terms of my initial treatment approach. But to your point, these co-mutations, KEEP1 and SDK11 in particular, where we say biologically, it really looks like these alterations may impact immunotherapy efficacy and drive an immunotherapy, uh, I would say drive an immunologically cold tumor. So with that in mind, if you see a patient that has a KEEP1 or SDK11 mutation, um, what sorts of things are you thinking about? How are you letting that guide your treatment decision-making? Absolutely. So as you very well pointed out earlier, you know, in the presence of these KEEP1 or STIC11 uh, mutations, we know that there is inherent immunotherapy resistance. We potentially should think about really amping up our strategy, combining immunotherapy combination regimens, um, coming in with a quadruplet would be appropriate. You know, we do now have uh, subgroup analyses from Poseidon. Uh, that help us understand that potentially these patients will do better. We have some subgroup analyses from Checkmate 9LA. And then we have some very small numbers with immunotherapy alone. And I don't think we should probably look at immunotherapy alone because we are really thinking about uh, really gearing up our immunotherapy strategy here. Um, there is a prospective trial that is going to evaluate the role of quadruplet chemoimmunotherapy in patients, especially with STIC11 and KEEP1. And I think that will be so instrumental in our understanding and management of our patients. Could not agree more. Uh, and lastly, uh, uh, Charu, I, I know that you had actually a poster presentation on this topic at ASCO this year. And first of all, congratulations on, on your excellent research. Could you walk us through a, a couple of the salient points uh, from that research that was presented just earlier this month? 
Absolutely. So we conducted a real-world data analysis using the Tempest database, um, using Tempest next-generation sequencing, and evaluating uh, paired outcomes amongst patients uh, with metastatic non-small cell lung cancer who harbored a KRSG12C mutation. And we wanted to specifically look at the PDL1 low population, TPS less than 50%. We found that those patients had the shortest survival when treated with combination chemo and immunotherapy compared with the overall population. We also found um, that KRAS and other co-mutations such as TIC11 and KEEP1 have a profound impact on outcomes of patients treated with chemoimmunotherapy and immunotherapy, very much in line with what we've been seeing with other subset as well as retrospective analyses. So our abstract really was... um, adding to the body of literature that we should be thinking about these patients differently. These patients um, are different when it comes to PDL one less than one, less than 50% is not the same as greater than 50%. And I think we are just at the precipice of individualizing treatment in the absence of a driver mutation, but in the presence of uh, mutations such as TIC11, KEEP, and KRAS. And um, I think the future will hold many, many, many practical advice, uh, practical guides for us. Excellent. Thanks so much, Dr. Agarwal. So definitely stay tuned, right, as we get more uh, data and more perspective evaluation for the ideal treatment strategy for these patients. So uh, just to wrap up, I think in summary, uh, KRAS mutated non-small cell lung cancer. KRAS is is definitely uh, a known driver mutation. However, only a subset is clinically actionable. Those with KRAS G12C mutations, though it is important to point out that the current approvals are for use of these targeted agents, sotorasib and adagrasib in the subsequent line setting and in the frontline treatment strategy and IO-based approach is absolutely appropriate and should be pursued uh, in these patients. Uh, the presence of KEEP1 and SDK11 alterations and their uh, their impact on treatment decision-making. Uh, I think there's a, a large body of heterogeneous data, and, and we definitely need more perspective data on how this will guide our treatment decision-making to bring the best treatments to our patients. So with that, I want to thank you for your attention, and, and thank you, Dr. Chara Agarwal, for this very insightful and important discussion. Thank you so much, Josh. This was great. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com CME. Thank you for listening.